0: Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week in E-Town, we're going to revisit a show from our 2014 season, and it starts right now.
1: Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. It's E Town with this week's musical guests from Austin, Texas, Ardent recording artist Greyhounds, and along with special guest Ann Waldman, Matador recording artist Thurston Moore. I'm Ellen Forrester. Right now, join me in welcoming Nick Forrester.
0: Thank you, Ellen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E Town, our little musical. Uh, Town Hall meeting, our little gathering here. We're going to cover some very creative ground this week. And that, of course, is the whole point, right? We, we look for ways to connect, to communicate. We want to find meaning in our lives. We want to find ways of getting together with people who can understand those things. We make things, songs, uh, poems, paintings, shows. And we share those things with people hoping that they can get the message. That's the whole deal. This week, we're also going to make something completely unique. will never happen again, just the same way. And of course, I'm talking about our finale, which is coming later on at the end of the show. First though, we have a little bit of East Coast and then uh, Western parts of the United States happening today. A bunch of people from New York and parts East and some folks from Texas and parts West. Up first is a band that uh, got its start when a guy named Anthony answered an ad placed by a guy named Andrew in the LA Weekly for a keyboardist. And uh, the result is this great musical collaboration. It includes songwriting for other artists like Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks. It includes performing uh, with other artists like J.J. Gray and Mofro. It also includes just simply making their own records of their own songs. They are now based in Texas. They're here for the first time under their own name. Uh, please help me welcome Anthony Farrell, guitarist Andrew Troub, along with our own Zach Littlefield and John Stewart on the sax, Greyhounds.
2: to your expecting eyes calling and I want to want to this time
0: Really good sound good funky feel and you got the songs and you're singing and you're playing so I Understand that uh, you guys met because of this ad in the paper the LA Weekly And then how long did it take to you to get a sense that this was actually gonna be a partnership that was gonna work?
2: Well, it was one of those things where you know, we met and immediately we felt this chemistry We started playing together. We had a couple friends that were playing with us as well we just had similar musical sensibilities. We were just into the same stuff. Yeah. We never thought, oh yeah, this is something that we're just gonna make last forever. It just is one of those things that it's just kept on happening and we're still having a good time. And yeah.
0: How does it work with the songwriting? How does that work between the two of you? Well,
3: each of us has different things. We'll come up with choruses or verses or somebody have some lyrics, like we'll have a melody, man, and we come together and just make it happen, you know? Yeah.
0: And now, when you're playing with other people, yeah. the JJ Gray, Mofro, Derek Trucks, Susan Tedeschi, uh, World, that sort of community that you guys are a part of. No,
3: it is a big community. And, you know, for so long, we were touring with, like, Derek as Greyhounds. We've been touring and playing for, like, 15 years, you know, like, just in a van, slugging it out. <laughs> like a bunch of fools. But hey, but, you know, what else are we going to do? But, you know, we. Um, And uh, it's made for some good times, though, but I tell you what. But, yeah, we... um, (laughs) Yeah, what was the question again, man? I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) Well, I got to sidetrack. I got to mention... Well, you know, you're in Colorado, so it's okay. (laughs) Um, I want to... I want to mention that... uh, these guys have the coolest rig because they're they're dressed up. they're wearing suits and ties, they look sharp. but during the day when it was time for sound check and load in, couldn't help but notice they were actually wearing suits and ties, but they were covered up with these zip up coveralls <laughs> that uh, have their names on them and um, they work great. It must be a really smart thing because then you just yeah, you yeah. Can just don't have to change clothes. Well, that was the
3: idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: well, because you know we want to wear, keep clean. We call them our load outfits. <laughs> the load
0: outfits. The, the load the, outfits. Yeah, the coveralls, man. Well, it's you know this comes from. That's the kind of trick you learn 15 years on the road. You're going to get some smart stuff. Um, <laughs> Where did you meet Zach Littlefield, the drummer who also is uh, our videographer here at E-Town? How did he come into your universe?
3: Yeah, man.
0: He's doing great, by the way.
3: Yeah, yeah, Zach. Y'all give it up for Zach, Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: He's something else. I'll let Farrell tell y'all that story.
2: Well, uh, we met Zach when he was playing with a group called Chupacabra. We had a great time and then just kept on hanging out and... Now we just can't get rid of each other, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool.
0: Well, the record sounds great. You know, again, it's a really cool thing you've got going. It's kind of, you know, nimble and sparse. So there's room for all the parts to really kind of come through and singing's good. Songs are good. So we're just glad you guys could stop by. Man, Thank that. you for having us. Yeah? yeah, well, let's get back to music. Welcome back, if you would, Greyhounds. <laughs> for
3: <laughs> Thank you, Dad. <laughs> I just want to say real quick, we got our buddy Todd Smalley sitting in with us on this one, and we're so happy to have uh, Nick and Helen with us on this one. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> back.
5: say
0: Greyhounds, Andrew Trouba on the guitar and vocals, Anthony Farrow on keyboards and bass and vocals, space parts, Zach Littlefield on the drums along with John Stewart on the sax. CD's called Accumulator out on Arden Records. We'll be back with the Achievement Award plus music from Thurston Moore after a short break.
1: This portion of E Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. And if you're curious about E Town's home base, E Town Hall, our beautiful solar powered music venue, community center, and recording studio located in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town.
0: nick forster you're listening to e-town the greyhounds are coming back in a little while to play some more music and coming up poet producer author musician thurston moore is here and is gonna play some music for us in a little while but before we uh, bring him out we're gonna introduce you to somebody we got to know with the help of one of our listeners every week we get to feature these stories of folks who are stepping up in one way or another in their hometowns looking around seeing something that could be better and then uh, working to make that better so this it's just cool simple stories of of folks making their communities a little stronger. It's it's, uh, an opportunity for us to give them some recognition through something called the Achievement Award, and here comes Helen to tell you about this week's winner.
1: Thank you, Nick. This week's story comes to us from listener Lorena Creeley, who's nominating Jackson Hole, Wyoming resident Allie Dunford for an Achievement Award. While going to school in Colorado, Allie briefly dated a fellow student who was a quote-unquote dumpster diver. Now, for our listeners who don't know what that means, That's somebody who routinely searches trash dumpsters around town for any usable items, clothing, furniture, and so on. Well, what really blew Allie's mind was the amount of perfectly good edible food that this guy found. Well, after college, she moved to Jackson Hole, and on a whim, she took up the practice of dumpster diving herself. Eventually, a chance encounter with a particularly bountiful dumpster gave Allie an idea. This was far more food that she found that she could personally use. So why not salvage all this edible food, keep it from the landfill, and get it to the poor and hungry in her area? So she started a grassroots effort with its own particular twist to do just that. Uh, Allie is actually here with us to tell us more, Nick. So let's bring her out right now with a warm E-town welcome. Currently from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, here comes Allie Dunford.
0: Allie, either you've got a lot of friends here or there are just a whole bunch of dumpster divers here. I can't. I can't <laughs> Probably
6: believe. both. Probably we live in both. Boulder. So. All right.
0: <laughs> well, welcome. So glad you could join us. Thank you. So, um, you know, dumpster diving is a pretty obvious term, but I suppose there are some people who can't imagine exactly what that feeling's like, but it just doesn't necessarily mean putting on your goggles and your flippers. It just means opening up the lid and seeing what's in there, right?
6: Yep. It is as gross as it sounds. Dumpster diving, you are getting in trash. But the cool thing about dumpster diving is it's like a treasure hunt and you never know what you're gonna find. And that's what drew me back to the dumpster daily is it was always a new thing, whether it was a bookshelf or food or envelopes. I was always finding something usable and taking it home. Yeah. Once I moved to Jackson, I was uh, primarily dumpster diving in a grocery store dumpster. So I was finding food products and I found everything from quinoa to flax oil, to meat products. What Bread, you? produce, yeah. really anything you could think to buy in a grocery store, I was finding edible in the dumpster.
0: And do you think it's unique to um, to your community that there was just like, uh, you know, it's a little bit remote, Jackson Hole, and so there's, maybe they have um, less food deliveries or less people to buy the food, or what do you think made it so that there was that much food in that particular dumpster?
6: I don't think that it's a problem particular to Jackson Hole. Um, there are many estimates that 40 to 50% of food circulating in the US is wasted. So if you go to the grocery store and you buy two bags full of food, just throw one of them away before you even get home, um, just to visualize. So it's not an instance that's just relatable to Jackson, it's really nationwide and worldwide.
0: And so you were in there and you're finding all this food and you realize, I can't even eat all this stuff, this is great and I can't use it, so you wanted to find another place to put it, right? Yep. And then you decided to add a twist, a uh, homegrown, self-powered kind of twist.
6: Yes. I didn't have a car because I left it in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I, I actually ended up driving up a 1968 RV instead of my car. So I realized, you know, it's not efficient to drive produce around in my RV. So why not bike it? So since that conception, we've really been committed to using our bikes and reducing our environmental footprint by using bikes and trailers to transport the food. Wow.
0: That seems a little awkward, but probably <laughs> depends on the bike and depends on the, how much you're carrying and all that stuff. Yeah. Is there a place where you bring the food after you've sort of found it and rescued it?
6: Yeah, so we pick up food from 5 donors currently and we are bringing to about 9 organizations in Teton County, Wyoming. So it really depends on where you're picking up that certain day where it's going and we have a whole matrix that I worked hours on <laughs> figuring out the best place to take each donation so it's it's tailored
0: but do you sort it in your house or where do you sort it all out?
6: Yeah, so Whole Food Rescue was founded in my garage, really. My roommates were not pleased because we were parking our cars there, but then there were hundreds of pounds of produce instead of cars, and since then, I've actually um, moved to a different residence, and now we are using my own car and other um, volunteers' houses and residences, but we just received a grant that will help us fund a sorting and distribution center, so we're really cool. looking forward to that progression. That's that- cool. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so um,
0: on, an average, on an average week of going out and collecting food and sorting it and distributing it, how much are you talking about? How much produce are you distributing?
6: It's about 2,500 pounds a week. and that We really haven't even partnered with all of the potential food wasters of Teton County. We're about half full. So maybe we'll get up to 5,000 pounds a week, but right now it's yeah. 2,500.
0: You say we, so you've got a crew now of people helping you sort and distribute.
6: Yeah, so it started with me and my two roommates, and it's grown exponentially. We have about 40 full-time volunteers working with us on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. And to be a full-time volunteer, it means you take on a weekly shift. So, for example, you could take on the Monday Albertson shift, and every week you know that that's your commitment.
0: And so they go, they gather the food, but they're not actually going into the dumpster at this point because you've worked it out with Albertsons to where they've actually just said, here's the buckets or piles or boxes of stuff.
6: Correct. Yeah, no more dumpster diving, yeah. unfortunately, because I think it's fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can tell that you think it's fun. <laughs>
6: Treasure hunt. Yeah.
0: Um, if you've just tuned in, I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to e 10 I'm here with our Achievement Award winner this week, Allie Dunford. Um, so then these volunteers help collect the stuff. You sort it at, in, now in your garage, um, or you're in, soon to be in your new facility. Yes. How many people do you think are actually benefiting from what you're up to?
6: Based on um, estimates of how much a meal weighs, it's about 1.2 pounds. We were giving about 400 people meals per week. Yeah.
0: Well, um, it sounds like it's a growing organization, and I'm, I suspect you've been counting... In general, how much food you've diverted from the landfills since you started?
6: Yeah, so yesterday was actually our one-year anniversary, and throughout the past year, we've diverted well over 100,000 pounds of food from entering the waste stream.
0: Wow, that's great. That's great. If you do go back to your passion and your love of dumpster diving, (laughs) I want to suggest these coveralls with the zipper thing that the gray have. Maybe they'll give
6: me one. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'll buy it off them. I think it would be so (laughs) freeing to have one of those things as you're crawling around in there.
6: Well, you know what? I actually had a... My good friend works at the Trash and Recycling Center. She gave me a Tyvek suit, which is exactly a coverall. But it just so happens that every time I was passing the dumpster, I didn't have my coveralls. So I would jump in in my nicest clothes, which was devastating. But it was worth it because I was getting hundreds of dollars of produce out of the trash. (laughs)
0: It takes all kinds to make a world, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and um, thank God there are people willing to do things we don't feel like doing on behalf of others. It's just awesome. It's a great story. Allie, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Congratulations. You're the winner of this week's Achievement Award. We've got a framed certificate with your name on it for you. Thank you. And you can share it with your volunteers. But mostly it's just great to hear that this simple idea in one year has actually really made a big difference.
6: Yep. Thank you very much for having me.
0: You're welcome. Congratulations once again. Allie Dunford, winner of this week's Achievement Award.
1: Our thanks to this week's listener nominator, Lorena Creeley, for sending in this story. If you just tuned in and you missed part of this interview, you can listen to it on our website, etown.org. Or if you want to nominate someone for some recognition, somebody who's doing great work to better the lives of others in some way, That's all on our website, too. Send us your feedback and comments there as well, or on Facebook or Twitter, or contact us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306.
0: Thank you, Ellen. Thanks, Allie. Love those stories. We have more music coming up from Greyhounds in a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you about our next guest, Thurston Moore. Grew up in Connecticut, moved to New York as a teenager, jumped into the punk and hardcore music scenes before meeting his future bandmates and forming the band Sonic Youth. Back in 1981, the band was a big deal, as you all know. It kind of helped redefine what a lot of people were thinking about rock and roll and alternative music. They were prolific. They made 15 studio records and and toured all over the place. And Thurston is also really prolific. Both as a musician and as a collaborator, film composer, author, producer, editor. He's released uh, several solo records, an album with his band, Chelsea Light Moving, and almost 50 other projects of collaborations, improvisations, and live recordings. He now lives in London and he's got a new solo CD coming out soon. Please welcome to E Town for his first visit, Thurston Moore.
5: Thank you. So your smiling eyes and the candle's holy glow That's why I love you forevermore That's why Reflects in your eyes That's why I love you forevermore Animals, they sing and adore you A spirit language of perfect
0: than me. I like that. Um, that was great. You know, it's funny watching you from the side of the stage. I can totally see you as a teenager playing guitar. I the songs. I could see the teenage...
7: I haven't advanced you. much, but I tell you that much. <laughs> no, it's just... I, I really rely on other musicians, you know, and playing solo is such a, a fright for me because I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of low technique but a kind of high idea. So it's like, yeah, it's that kind of weird thing and I just like, I, I really appreciate having musicians that play with me uh, who can really shred. Because you know, but I there is re- something,
0: though, kind of inviting about something that has that, that's a little bit raw and kind of exposed like that, and it kind of yeah. invites people in in a way that, you know, a perfect, massive presentation. Might oh, if not, you can do you it,
7: know. then, you know, so can anybody. Yeah. <laughs> kind of <thing>. yeah.
0: Anyway, <laughs> I liked it, and, I, and it's made me think about you as a teenager going to New York City, you know, because I was living in New York in the mid-'70s, and I left oh, cool. because I was thinking, man, this place is broken this is just like i can't figure this out everybody's a junkie and this stuff doesn't work and you know i gotta get out of here you get there and it's like it's just lights you
7: up well i mean new york was was really romantic to me i mean it was it was already as has been said it was like this post-apocalyptic kind of like landscape i mean it was denied any kind of funding whatsoever from dc uh there's famous headline in the daily news and in, in 76 was from President Ford uh, re- refusing to sort of fund anything in New York City. It was just damaged. And uh, so, and so the headline city. was just like Ford to City, drop dead. Right. You know, and, it, and it was just like, okay, now what? And it was just basically, you know, for people like me, it was just like, um, it was great. I think it was really the, the last vestige of young people being able to move to a city and live for um, just like just pennies. Yeah, you know, you could pay like hundred dollars a month and sort of live in like a, in the East Village, and you could do your thing. And, you know, I mean, it was cool. But yeah. I mean, but it was it came with like you said, it came with you know, you had to sort of dodge the crime and the grime. And but you and, found a spot. So
0: so where did you land? What was your where did you find your people? Where did you find your tribe? I was lucky.
7: I was so um, into like, new things that were happening in rock and roll. Being like, I you know, I was born in '58, so I was 20 in '78. So in '76. When I got out of high school, um, I sort of had these aspirations to maybe be a writer, to because to actually play rock and roll seemed like it just seemed too difficult. Like I mean, I, I didn't feel like I really had that kind of um, skill, although I had all this passion to do it. And then when I started seeing bands happening in certain rock and roll magazines, I bought every magazine: Circus, Cream, Hit Parade, Rock Scene. Like I, a voracious reader, and just like, and this, all of a sudden there was like these bands that I would started reading about who were just sort of like you know they were influenced by the same things that I was hearing because there was nobody in my little town that was listening to records by uh, like the Stooges. The Stooges were the blueprint. And it was like this really sort of monodynamic kind of like energy music, passion music. And, and all of a sudden I started hearing about bands like, uh, well, certainly Patti Smith and the Ramones. And, and these were bands that they were queuing from this. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I immediately went for it. And then hearing about the first time I heard about like the, um, the Sex Pistols, was in like a little thing in like Cream Magazine. Like there's this band in England that's sort of doing this thing. And I was familiar certainly with like, I was really drawn towards the more subversive, kind of marginalized right. kind of music of like the New as York. As many
0: teenagers would be. Yeah, right? New York Dolls and yeah. all this kind of stuff.
7: yeah But I didn't really have any friends. that They were all into Almond Brothers Band and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer and yeah. Yes. And, you know, and, and with no, uh, no offense whatsoever, because I actually really did like those bands as well. I, didn't ha- I wasn't really anti that, but I was very pro this thing of yeah. just like not having to sort of study that to be, mm-hmm. be on the rock and roll stage. And I was like, oh, because that's where I want to be. And plus I liked the ideas. And it was poetry. Patty Smith was a poet. Tom yeah. Verlaine was a poet. Richard right. Howell was a poet. And my idea was like, well, I can actually be a poet and a rock and roller because yeah. these guys are validating that for me. Right. If you've just tuned in, I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. I'm
0: speaking with Thurston Moore. And so um, it's just interesting that that evolution, of course, led to... Uh, well, I mean, the, the idea that there is an idea that's going to accompany a performance or a song or, or there's a, a series of ideas that are or a position or a point of view mm-hmm. that's going to be associated and, and try to do that without being self-conscious and, and still let it kind of happen is tricky, I think.
7: Yeah. And, you know, I think it's great to do it at a young age. The yeah. sooner you can sort of find some place where you can actually sort of have your expression sort of foolishly done i mean not worry about like what people are going to think or what this just just sort of doing it because you're young enough where it's like and if it doesn't happen or you don't you're not feeling it then maybe look somewhere else or whatever but i think that's the perfect time to do that and um you know hey it sucked i'm young (laughs) what do you want yeah exactly
0: (laughs) exactly so um was there some growing pains about like oh my god now i'm you know, in that culture of striving and sort of being down low, uh, below the mainstream, below the radar, was there a price you had to pay for becoming famous in
7: Sonic Youth? Well, I never thought we really became, like, famous, famous. I mean, we've never had, a, like, a gold record. Right. It was never an ambition of ours to compete in that situation anyway. I mean, even when we signed to Geffen Records, that was all about getting health care anyway. I mean, that was, that was you, know, we were, you know, we were getting a little long in the tooth, and I was like, God, I would like to have some accounting that has some kind of ethical, you know... And, uh, you know, it was a very modest thing. We didn't really make m- that much money from it, but we were able to pay the rent and not yeah. wash dishes anymore. So that was cool. Right.
0: You know, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Thurston Moore. And
7: uh, I don't know where you get your work ethic, but you just make a lot of stuff. Well, uh, there's certainly not enough minutes in the day, I tell yeah. you that much. Yeah. And, you know, talk about my work ethic. You should talk to the people who work at Naropa here in Boulder. You know, Ann Waldman makes me look like a slouch, I tell you that much.
0: <laughs> There's this interesting little sort of, you know, connection to that poetry community and uh, all kinds of other stuff that's going yeah, on. Yeah, and
7: it's all, it's all about experience and, and just looking and searching. And it's all about love, too. I mean, it's like, that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about, um, first and foremost, it's about sharing that message. And you heard that first here on E-Town.
0: It's all about love, people. <laughs> <clears throat> Don't lose that. No, we we um we could have a longer conversation, but we're not going to because we have more music we're going to play. But uh, Thurston, it's great to have you here and visit, Thank you. and uh, I'm glad you're enjoying your time here in our hometown. Yeah. Please welcome back Thurston Moore.
7: Okay, I'm gonna play a a short little uh, protest song called Detonation. I'm gonna have Zach play drums with me. He's never heard it before. See what happens.
0: First and more, his CD's called The Best Day, coming out on Matador Records in London, England. We'll be back at the very end for a big finale. We're going to be back with more music from the Greyhounds after a break.
1: Your visit to E Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. You're listening to E Town.
0: I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing in E-Town on stations like K-Rock in Leesville, Louisiana, on KBAC, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and on WMOT in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, public radio for the Upper Lynn Canal. As always, if you'd like more information about any of our guests this week or you want to see what we're up to here at E-Town, lots of stuff is available online at etown.org. We have more music, as I mentioned, at the very end with Thurston Moore right now. Would you please help me welcome back to the stage, Greyhounds.
2: All right, thank y'all.
3: Thank y'all. We'd like to... uh, Man, I tell you what, thank y'all so much, man, for real. It means a lot to us. We'd like to welcome Nick and Helen Forrester back, man. How about it, y'all? <laughs> oh, John Stewart,
2: man. And don't forget about our good friend John Stewart on saxophone. Yeah. This next song is also on our new record accumulator. It's called "Soul Navigator." I see people ever searching.
0: Hey from Austin, Texas. The new CD is called Accumulator Greyhounds. Andrew on guitar and vocals. Anthony Farrell on the keyboard and vocals. Zach Littlefield on the drums along with Todd Smalley on the bass. John Stewart on the sax. Helen is singing along. Greyhounds. Very funky. Sounds great we got time for one more song. We're going to get everybody out of here on stage to try this thing out. This is a, a Harry Nilsson song that we have never done as a finale before. I want to thank all our guests. Thanks to Thurston Moore, along with our award winner, Allie Dunford, doing a great job. Dumpster diving for helping to feed people up in her new hometown of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Thanks to Helen Forrester. Thanks to the Greyhounds, along with Zach Littlefield. Thanks to all of you guys for being with us this week. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can join us next week right here, anytime.
1: is produced by a donor-supported nonprofit organization with help from all of our fine staff. The show was recorded live this week at E-Town Hall. To comment about E-Town, make an Achievement Award nomination, or get tickets to a live taping, you can either send an email to info at etown.org or visit our new and improved website, etown.org. You can also connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook. The national distribution of E-Town is made possible by the support of E-Town's family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you.
0: Thurston Moore, all of you guys, thanks so much for being here this week.
1: This is a production of E-Town. That was the Greyhounds,
0: actually with our own Zach Littlefield playing drums, Thurston Moore, another E-Town combo. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.